It's Monday, August 12th, 2019, and this is Actors on Process. Today's guest is actress Maria Dizia. Maybe you know her from her work on screen in Orange is the New Black, 13 Reasons Why, Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, and When We're Young. Or, if you're like me, maybe you know her from her Tony-nominated performance in In the Next Room or The Vibrator Play, or from her other stage roles in If I Forget, Belleville, Annie Baker's Uncle Vanya, Drunken City, Cradle and All, and Eurydice by Sarah Rule. In addition to being an actress, Maria is also a highly sought-after acting teacher in New York City. More on that later. Uh, A note. This was one of the first episodes that I recorded back in January 2019, and there are a lot of bumps in the road. Meaning, Maria taps the table a lot to emphasize things, and I hadn't quite yet purchased the equipment to minimize ambient noise, so apologies for that, but moving forward, it won't happen again. I think you'll enjoy the interview anyway. And now, Maria Dizia. So here we are in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. at Maria Dizia's apartment. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you for opening your home to me. Yeah. I'm, it's so fun to have you over. Thanks. I'm, <laughs> it's amazing here. I'm so happy you're one of my first guests for the podcast. Uh, you know I've been a big fan since the first time I saw you on stage and have felt so fortunate that in the last few years, you've come into my life as a hugely influential teacher audition and acting coach, (laughs) and my overall theater guru. Last year, you helped me land a role in a play I was dying to be a part of. And you you generously, I'm so glad that you got that part. And you generously helped me throughout the rehearsal process whenever I hit some speed bumps along the way. Mm -hmm. All of this to say, (laughs) I am madly in love with you and so thrilled to be here today. And so without further ado... Maria Dizia. Oh, thank you. I almost clapped for myself. That I was so nice. Let's clap for you. You should be clapped for. So, to start off, paint me a picture here in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Who were you as a kid? Oh, wow. That's such a fun question. I always let you, because I've heard other people answer this question, and um, I feel like people always say they thought they were one thing, and then their family was like, no, you weren't. Mm. And so, I'm so curious about... What I, you know, I, yeah. here's what I would say about myself and then if my mother would say, that is not who you were as a child at all. I was super outgoing. I was really, really outgoing as a child. And um, I remember laughing really easily. And one of my really early memories is of being in a play in kindergarten. And we had to sing... Uh, one singular sensation. No, 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 no. I don't know the words because we replaced them to king, kindergarten. Something for school. Yeah, exactly. Paste and pencils, whatever it's supposed to be. And we were performing, and I remember I was with Brian Campbell, who I'm friends with on Facebook. I'm very happy to have reunited with him. 
He, I thought he was the funniest thing I'd ever seen in my whole life. I loved the way he sang. I loved the way he like moved his body and everything. And I just remember holding hands with him on stage. We were supposed to be doing this duet. And instead, I was just like red-faced and laughing hysterically. Yeah, you were having a great time. I did. I was having a great time. And just when I was young, it was happened to me over and over and over again. And so I, like, I, I noticed it. I was like, when I'm on stage, I just love it. So it was but a I very young age. It was really young age, but it wasn't that I was doing stuff and people said, you're great up there. Mm. <laughs> because I was, I mean, I feel like it happens to me now, but in a different way. I, uh, I, I, I would just be so overwhelmed by joy. And mm. so I would just start laughing. So I actually would have accomplished none of the things that I had set out to do. There was no character. <laughs> right. All those lines that I memorized were like right out the window. And it was just me laughing yeah. um, but it was great I mean one of um, my mom sent me to um, a summer arts camp mm-hmm. and uh, I was in a play Jan Elby was the director of that she was a great person we would I remember she used to wear uh, wrap around jean skirts I loved to wrap around jean skirts and uh, <laughs> you know faded olive t-shirt and Love Birkenstocks it. beautiful Jan that's Elby. like a typical Right, I mean, yeah. it was just good. It just you felt homey. You knew you were in good hands mm-hmm. <laughs> with Jan Elvey, and we would. I mean, she did a great job. She drew the sets, and we filled them in with paint, and she picked these wacky plays for us to do. One of them was called Mirth and Mayhem, oh. which I would love to read now as an adult because <laughs> it's like a published play. <laughs> it's a published play, yeah. but I, th- I mean, my guess. I don't know if it's like a dinner theater play that's meant to be performed by adults or if it was geared towards like children. I'm not sure. But it was about a bunch of people staying at a hotel and then people started to die. And then Mirth and Mayhem ensued. (laughs) That's for the title. My mom told me this thing when she she was younger. If she saw a movie and they didn't say the title of the movie in the movie, she felt cheated. And, um, but I feel like Mirth and Mayhem probably really came probably through came for up. her. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. So she felt that she it was... She was so happy she <clears throat> sent you there. Yeah, exactly. But I remember in that, my character was, was like a coffin was supposed to... It was like a coffee table that then became a coffin. It opened up and my character was supposed to faint. And I fainted. And um, I, I feel like the audience like gasped or something. And I loved it so much. I just started laughing hysterically. And so this boy was holding me and I was just in like <laughs> conniption. But without that pressure, I was not thinking to myself at all, like, oh, I should stop right. laughing for the sake of the show. I was just like, oh, it's delicious. You were just truly filled with joy. I Yeah, completely filled with joy. Wow. Yeah. And that carried you through. I mean, we have similar trajectories to sort of like, I've done, I've researched you, you know, oh, a lot in I'm preparation. So... <laughs> but like, I you and I like I both... a lot of me is like very pre-Google. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like... I'm I mean, like... I found I found a bit, but the thing that was really amazing is I feel like we were very similar in the sense that you talked about, like, you would do a show, and then you remember going to, like, the 24-hour diner afterwards. Oh, which yeah. Which was, like, huge right. in Long Island. Yeah, like, we always totally. do that. I have a Long Island culture and New Jersey culture. Very, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, headed to... You headed to the diner afterwards, and that was your way to celebrate, or, like, right. friendlies or something like yes. that. Yes. No, and I love... Yeah, exactly. And you have fries and dip it in, in my black cream. and white shake. That's correct. Uh, 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 That's correct. <laughs> and also, you, um, um, summer camp. I yeah. went to theater camp as a kid for right. six years, and now I work there. So, yeah. like, I feel oh, like... Oh, right. I forgot that you worked there. That's yeah, so nice like that you do that. summer theater camp is, I like, think a huge that thing. that, that is something that I really want to do, is oh. teach um, 12 and under. Mm. Because I think you really have to know what you're doing. 
in order to teach mm. 12 and under because you have to keep everybody's attention which yes. I think is a really important skill and I think that when you're teaching um, older people you kind of um, you expect them to give it to you when yes. you haven't really earned it yes and um, I think that that's I'd like to learn how to do that to keep people's attention not for, only that but the thing that know, I've noticed because I yeah. work with a lot of mm. under 12 is yeah. um, they are fearless right and they'll do anything you it's ask it's gorgeous yeah. Where as you get older and you know you start to feel yeah. subconscious. Right. But the younger kids, when I ask them, oh. we have the best time because they are down for anything. Oh, I love that. Anything. Right. That hadn't fearless. Even occurred to me. Right? It's amazing. But so yeah. summer. And then I camp, think that you have to like and then add structure. I think so you have to be like yeah. showing people how to have fun, but at the same time giving them exercises that are actually leading them towards like healthy relationship to acting but you would also be really mm. effective too because they feed off of if you're really passionate about it mm. their hands down they're there with you right which is the best gift but um yes yeah, so summer camp you were saying <clears throat> well summer camp I just feel like were there any other like major roles or things that happened at camp that were like oh yeah of course the camp clarifying was big... oh yeah clarifying right? that's really funny yeah summer camp was yeah that was so important because I felt like I would go away for the year right and like the year would be like in preparation for, for what for role camp. was I going to get Correct. in the summer. So I'd really be able to gauge what kind of year I had based on how I got cast in the summer. Yes. You know, it was really it was like reckoning, <clears throat> you know. So at first I was the uh, mother of Rapunzel, not a good part, right? So in that's really giving you a lot of information. The play Rapu- in, in the play Rapunzel. Uh, you know, these are all published plays. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never heard of this one. Yeah, she was really, she did really great work. Wow. So yeah, Rapunzel, you know, and I had to, what did I say? The radishes. I had to wail, like, for radishes. Oh. Which, you know, when you're nine. Ooh. Did you revel in that and then laugh hysterically? No, I didn't. I did not like my part. I did I was the mother of Rapunzel. I mean, because sure. I had heard the story. I don't, I think that in the grim fairy tale, I mean, does the mother even make an appearance? I'm not sure. I, when you said it, I only thought of Into the Woods. That's why I'm like, I don't, I don't remember the, yeah. just the grim fairy tale. But I think because isn't that... I think that that's why she names the kid Rapunzel. I think that the word for radish and Rapunzel are related in some way. I, I We're going to have to do some research. I, I didn't do any research to play this part. It did nothing. You can see <laughs> why nine. I was I'm yeah, nine. Not, I was not invested. I was just like, what does she wear? What does the mother wear? <laughs> because Rapunzel me? wears an amazing pink dress. Mm. So it was, I, I liked the corset. The mother wore a corset and then um, a skirt with flowers on the bottom. Hmm. You know, I yeah. mean, very peasanty. Sure. <laughs> not your dream. Yeah, it's not, no, it was not my dream. You know, when the witch comes to you, you're just a device in order to get to the main story. <laughs> right. And I wasn't good at it. Um, but I really, but that was the thing that I also remember as being young is that I really, I knew I loved being on stage and I actually knew that I loved watching other people who I thought were really skilled on stage. Mm. That I actually did not feel um, like jealousy or anger towards them. I was like, I want to do what you're doing. Like, show me how to do that thing. And I remember actually the girl who did play Rapunzel, Melanie Lathrop. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. (laughs) Was really talented. She was great. And when we would do improvs, like in our little... She was really free. And I enjoyed watching her. And I understood why she was Rapunzel. Oh. You know? And I wanted to... You aspired. Yeah. I wanted to be as good as she was. Um, but so then the big change came for me was, you know, Mirth and Mayhem. I don't know what the name of that character was. <laughs> I don't, Mildred. Something like that. <laughs> Diane. <laughs> which is a perfectly fine name. Right. But <laughs> Middle of the road. <laughs> um... But uh, then I went to uh, 
a school, I went to uh, Kent Play School, and I met Bob Pridham, who was a really wonderful theater director, and he was um, my theater teacher from seventh grade through senior year mm. in high school, and he was an extraordinary teacher, and he had an aesthetic that he was really unapologetic about and that he taught everybody. And what I thought was so great is that whether you agreed, as you got older, whether you agreed with his aesthetic or not, it didn't matter because he gave you, like, a point to jump off of, Mm. you know? And I think that sometimes when you're young, you don't really get introduced to aesthetic. No. You know, like, when when you're young, what's around you is like, this is what we could do! Let's this pull it is, together. Yeah, like, that's what you had in your attic, and they're going to let us use this, so this is what we have. Mm. And, which is its own, it ends up being its own thing, and it ends up, that is, a, like, a it's DIY, like, like yeah. it is an aesthetic, but it, no one thought, that it, it didn't, it doesn't have the the thought that goes into it, mm. and it doesn't necessarily have the relationship to narrative, Yeah, is you, what's missing. And, and, and Bob had that. Bob had a relationship to narrative, and that didn't mean, and his, um, his aesthetic was not, uh... It didn't mean that he had more money. Um, he responded to... You know, he knew that there was not a lot of money, and so he said, okay, so then this is what we're going to do mm. to do that. So it was austere, but it was purposeful. He meant the austerity, you know, yeah. and it was... He was very... He started to teach right after having left uh, college, and um, he was really informed by uh, Grotowski. Wow. You know, and that's what he did with us. We were yeah. 12, and he did and he did it. with us. And I love it was that. great. I think the children, not that you're children at 12, but I guess yeah, you sort you of are. Yeah, you are. Oh, my God. I was a child when I was yeah. 27, so, yeah. yes, I was awesome. I guess you, but I feel like that's the thing that I tried to instill with my students this summer was, yeah. like, I'm not going to baby you here and just yeah. sort of, like, patronize you with this kind of material. Like, we dug into some really, like, kind of wild stuff, and they they rose to the occasion. I yes. think that they really respond to that. That's totally, you do, you do rise to the occasion. Because when the material is, you know, when the kids, like if you weren't playing, let's say Rapunzel's mother, maybe <laughs> yeah. you would have risen in a different way. But Yeah, when it feels deliberate. I think if someone had, um, if I knew, knew more maybe about the function of Rapunzel's mother or something, someone you taught me about Aristotelian <laughs> <laughs> theater, I would have been like, I see, I see, <clears throat> I, I see. It's actually very important. Now, did he um, also teach yeah. elective classes in school? Sort of uh-huh. like it was an in-class. Yeah, exactly. So I think that like when we were younger, like seventh and eighth grade, I think I don't. I think everybody did drama, and then mm. when you got into high school, you got to pick, oh. and it was an elective. And I picked it all the time. All the time. I mean, I picked it, and then I also did it after school. So it really was sort of play. like. This was all consuming for you. It was all consuming. You caught the bug, and you I were. I really did. I just hands loved down, it so ready to much. Uh huh. I did, and I loved it, and I I always think the thing that, like, helped me out was, it helped me out, and then it stopped helping me out. Oh. But the thing that helped me out for a long time, we're both looking at a pigeon. Yeah, it's that just pigeon. It's mesmerizing. <laughs> I think it's very generous of you to say that it's beautiful. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a good, it's a There's pigeon. It's a nice color on his neck, but... Yeah. Um... But, you know, the thing that served me for a long time and that stopped serving me was I um, I always felt that there was more to learn. I, I didn't think that I had... I knew I had an innate love and excitement about the theater, but I didn't think that I was a natural actor. And I think that served me because I was really receptive to criticism and really receptive to other people's ideas, and I think that helped me for a long time. And because it helped me, I, like, got really cozy Mm. in that 
calling myself being like, well, I'm not like really, you know, an actor and I'm just doing my best. And, and then it became self-deprecating and um, really unsure of myself and not really being willing to say it. And then I think it became a problem. I think I understand you what know? you're talking about exactly. Like, but for me, I mean, I, I loved it in high school and middle yeah. school. And like I did it at summer camp. I did it all year round. Yeah. And I did it at community theater. I did all of it. And then I think you sort of like, I don't think I meant to, but I feel like mm. you get a little lazy and it's just sort mm. of like you're doing a show for the sake of like doing a show and hanging out with your friends. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I remember specifically like casting directors came to the camp. Right. We're doing like a master class. Oh my class God. That's a big deal. It was a big deal and everybody was freaking out over it. And totally. And I remember that I was in the corner with, like... I just imagine, like, children climbing over each oh, other. But, like, we didn't know what it was at that age, really. Oh, that's good. Like, that's we couldn't merciful. really Right. We couldn't really figure it out. Um, and I remember uh, one of the teachers at the camp came over just saying to us, like, you know, it would be good if you could really, like, focus mm. your attention, like, this week or this these two days because right. so-and-so is here. And I remember I, I pulled a friend aside and I was like... I think I have my whole life ahead of that. I think I just want to have fun with my friends right, right. now. And I, like, remember yeah. making those choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was, like, a very deliberate right. switch, uh-huh. which I want to get to for you. But before we do, you need to tell me. Okay. I found online that you play the MC in Cabaret. Yes, in high school. Oh, my God. It was my, that was one of my favorite things. Well, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, we had to audition. I remember that the audition for it was after uh, Christmas break. Okay. Winter break. So about like now-ish. Yeah, January. exactly. Now-ish. Um, we we're talking about it. <laughs> like conjuring the ghosts. Right. The cabaret audition. Of the audition. So I spent the whole winter break watching Cabaret over and over and With over Liza again. With Liza Minnelli. Yeah. So, A, I love that movie. Of course. Marissa Berenson. All the plegma is here. It's not the cold of the nose. Of the bosom. <laughs> The whole thing. Her green nails. I mean, I'd never seen that yeah. before. I mean, it was the 80s. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. It was just an incredible movie to see. The. I mean, I was in the 80s. The movie was in the 70s. Right. Unclear. <laughs> I got it. Um, yeah, it's an extraordinary movie. And I just watched it over and over and over again. And I imitated the Who whole thing. Who did you want? And I wanted, to pl- I wanted to play the MC. You did want the MC. Yeah. I was like getting it and then when I when I first watched it it was like to see like hmm what do I want to play what do I want to play and then I was like that I want that and then I mean this is something I think about all the time where I'm like I could use a little bit more of that in my life when I heard that they that they that Bob was gonna do they <laughs> really um that when I heard that Bob wanted to do cabaret we were working on a play that he had written in college called Yucca Flats and which um I didn't enjoy performing in so much um, because it was hard, because it was just really challenging. Yeah. Uh, and But it was a great exercise. But I would write on my... Because he had already made the announcement. It was right before we went on winter break. He made the announcement that it was going to be cabaret. And I, whenever I was having a bad time in rehearsal, I would write on my script, remember cabaret. And I would just write it over and over and over again. I love and that. That's what, yeah, because I knew then. I was like, you know, if you don't do a good job and you don't show up for this, there's no uh, way he's going to give you a good right, part in this other thing. Be? Yeah, he's going to be like, well, when she's not explicitly engaged, <laughs> she really seems to check out. And that's just like not a great quality. You know? It's so universal. And so, though. yeah, right? Exactly. Yes. When you're not being Maria. At that age. Yeah. 
But I th- that was a nice thing to know. So there are. Was great. And so now I actually, as my adult self, I look back and I'm like, you know, I, there are times where I, I think I need more of that now as an adult. Mm. I'm like, remember this thing. Like, remember the thing. What we're working towards. Yeah, what for. you want. And because what you do now when you're not totally pleased with where you are is really going to inform actually where you move next, and, uh, you know. Um, but yeah, I wanted that Joel Grey part so mm. badly. And I just came in and I copied Joel Grey. I did my best Joel Grey. You're saying like... But what a then. great person to copy. Right. I mean, it was such a great education. Like, what a great person to copy. And it was also my first time that, like, I innovated something. I mean, I mean that's such a no, big word. No, but it's word. true. But no, that I... Like, I remember I... My big thing was that I wanted to, like, when I was dancing with one of the girls, I wanted to be that, like, my pelvis was getting hot. (laughs) So I asked him. And I was like, I asked Bob, I was like, is it okay if I, like, fan, if I pull my pants and then, like, Like fan fan my crotch? And he was, like, not listening to me because he had more important things to do than my big idea. And he was like, yeah, whatever. And so you, then I you did were it. approved. Yeah, I was approved. And then I did it in the show. But then when he saw the show, he thought it was too sexual. He's like, you know, when you were asking me before, he's like, I didn't realize what you were saying. And he was like, you can't do that in the show. He's like, I'm already having, people are right, giving me enough show. grief because I'm doing cabaret with 16-year-olds. And he was like, I can't have oh, were you, you doing something. that I was a junior you and I junior. got my braces off so I could play the part. Wow. It was a big deal. Yeah. Now, does this mean that in the future, yeah. there could ever be a musical? I want there to be. Do you? Yeah. That's totally, so one of the things is though I contacted a um, voice teacher uh-huh. um, who's like pedagogy I really liked and um, I said that I wanted to start working with him because I would really like to come up with some audition songs <sighs> and then I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. I mean, I told my manager yeah. that I was interested in doing it and... She's always very supportive of me, but right. she also has a lot of things going on. So she's like, yes, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, right. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> but it's a thing. Yeah. I'm So, um, yeah. So I don't I don't know, like, ultimately, like, after I work with him, I don't know if then my manager is going to be like, well, you actually have to sing for me before I can't, like, before send you out. Like, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. Or but if I she'll wonder. be like, yeah, I trust you, you know, and, and maybe if she would rely on feedback. You know, sure. she would let me go into the room and have people go, well, it was. <laughs> what do you, like, is there like a dream? We all felt very generous. Or what, I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, it's a total dream. What because is, like, I is actually, when I, oh, is there a role? No. 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 Just in general. Yeah, just in general. Because I, I don't know, like, yeah. Because I'm just like learning. I'm just like starting to educate myself about that stuff. Wow. So like I know that I really like Stephen Sondheim and I feel like there's, I mean, everybody it's does. The, but it's the perfect, I'm like, I really like Stephen the, Sondheim. <laughs> I'm like, oh, how unusual. What an interesting take. But it's the perfect combination of who you are, I think. I feel like, you know, when the, the few Sondheim shows that I've seen and the what women were those? that I what know were those? have... Um, uh, Sunday in the Park with George mm-hmm. twice. With Jake Gyllenhaal and Natalie Ashford? No. Um, with the... Before no, that? I didn't see before that. Jenna Russell and Daniel Yes. Wow, Evans. you really know what you're talking about. Great. I'm it's so glad you're here. Sondheim. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that. <laughs> so I... Yeah. At Roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw it twice. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, Into the Woods, of course. Right. That might be it. And then all the rest of it might be listening, like listening to company. Sure. Oh. Right? Listening Uh to company a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that the one where they go, I'm ready? Yes. I'm 
friend. Yeah, so yeah, marry me a little. Yeah, so my <laughs> friend and I, we that was a while ago, and we used to scream at each other all the time. We would scream, sing that. to each other, I'm ready! <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're blowing my mind right now. I had no idea that this was like inside of you. Yeah, well, I started to, you know, think about that. Like, you know, as I'm getting older and people always see me, you just keep reevaluating stuff yeah. all the time. And when I was reevaluating that, that very thing that we were talking about earlier, the joy, I was like, yeah, the joy. I was like, Let's, if we go back to the beginning that started it, what was it? It was the laughing hysterically. Yeah. And I was like, I feel like that energy is really in musicals. You know, mm-hmm. and I love straight plays so much. Musicals. Yeah, exactly. But I do feel like musicals kind of are. Well, yeah. No, I shouldn't say that because musicals are about a lot of things. But one of the things that I feel like that an American musical about, right, is about like unbridled joy, mm. and then whether that unbridled joy is like nurtured or squashed. But it kind of like is in relationship to that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know? Oh, Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. I mean, like all these things are about, and then like what happens to that feeling. The amazing thing, I guess, I think and so also. that's what it made me think that I was like, oh, maybe there's a place for me. And yes, that. and I felt that, absolutely. Like, in, there's totally a place. Yeah, I'm you like know. so excited right now. Yeah, I feel the so I just want, yeah, because but I, mean, I like, do. I want to have that fit, and also I think the um, something that I just as you know something that happens to not to some some actors as they get older get scareder mm. as you get older. Yeah, and I started to notice that I was getting scareder. I got older, you sure. know, more scared, mm-hmm. um, that instead of that feeling of like excitement before the thing started, instead I was starting to feel like dread. A little of dread. Yeah, a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think that it's, yeah, you just, it's your job now, yeah. you know, and though you think you just have these thoughts that are not helpful, but like if I don't do a good job, people are going to hire me again, right. you know, There's and more just pressure. become, yeah. Um, and, uh. So actually the thought was, like, there's a story, I don't know if it's true or not, but I always just really loved it, was that when um, Anthony Hopkins was in Hamlet, that he was really struggling, and I don't know who the director was, but that the director came on stage with him and put his hand on his shoulder and said, I'm just going to do the whole show with you. I don't know if this is true, I really don't know if this story is true or not, but I... It's it's a helpful story to me, mm. <laughs> and that the director um, stood behind him and put his hand on his sho- shoulder and walked th- and was with him as he played Hamlet. Yeah, and was like, "See, you can do it." Yeah, and now I'm just gonna go sit over there, and I'm still here, and you can still do it. I love that. It's really beautiful, right? And for me, when I was starting to feel that, I started to feel on stage that that's all I wanted. It wasn't that I doubted that I could do the part, that I had the capacity to do it, but I was starting to doubt that I could, like, do it on my own. Mm. And that's when the thought, I was like, an orchestra. I mean, you still are. I understand. Like, you still are up there by yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that. And it is like, okay, you're the per- you know, you're the only person singing right now. But there was something to me so beautiful about the music coming behind you yeah. and that it's live. And there's you know? a conductor there yeah, with you. Yeah, that and... the conductor, that you're all there yeah. doing the thing together. And I thought that that could be, I was like, I could see that, you know. However, I do know that the reality of being in a musical no, I... is that it's extraordinarily demanding and that that music just keeps going. I mean, music, <laughs> you're like, not going to, like, they're not going to be like, I, I see that you're a little hung up. <laughs> It is like Shakespeare in the sense that, like, we're going to, the train is moving. Right, exactly. Like, this show, right, exactly. So I do understand (laughs) that it's it's really, I also like the rigor. Yeah. I'm interested in the rigor. 
Absolutely. of it, I think, because I do think that at first sometimes rigor can feel confining, and then I think sometimes you're like, you know, it's actually very freeing. Yeah. It's like, you know what, we're going to map this whole thing out, and you just, you got to keep up. I love this. You really yeah. like filling me with, <laughs> I can't even tell you, but... Um, we got so ahead. We have to oh, go back. We sorry. have to go back to the beginning. No, I'm there with you because I just want you to do a musical. But I'm so excited. But yeah. I have to tell you that I think that you're you're 100 right. Oh, in that like, good, yeah. of course you're up there alone, and you're mm-hmm. doing if you're doing a song or something. But there is the support and the generosity of all of those things behind mm. you, and it does feel sort of more communal. But like the thing that I we have a little bit of an opposite sort of, I guess intro to theater just because when yeah. I went to college which is where I want to go in a second mm. but just sort of like drama school and things like when I went to school I started as a freshman at musical theater school yeah and I had spent my whole like high school and middle school life like f- obsessing over every cast recording knowing everything yeah. seeing every musical yeah. that happened on the- like I knew every musical that I possibly could yeah and I thought that I, I knew everything and I mm. got to my freshman year of college and um I was really unsatisfied hmm. studying it in college because right. I had felt... You're like, I did this already? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I had done it and I knew nothing about Shakespeare. I knew nothing about Chekhov or plays or anything. And right. so when I transferred, it was a very conscious decision yeah. to go to the unknown and to step into doing that. And so right. when I graduated... It's also a really satisfying thing. I mean, I do think that the stuff that... When you have an interest and you study it yourself, mm. it's much more exciting then and it, I think it's much takes a much deeper root mm. in you than when you walk into a class and someone's it's like, crazy. All right, this is what you need to know. Right. This is what we're doing. You know, so it's much more exciting, I think, Absolutely. for you to like and then also I'm sure for you to like follow your own thing, like what led you from one musical to the next. Yeah. You know, like so you're following developing this taste own... and aesthetic yeah, and, and yeah, all yeah. Of those and all those kind of things. Dang. And the funniest thing to me was that just like I Maria's opening. I'm having. I have to have some chocolate. (laughs) That's what that sound is. Medicine. We. um, uh, What was I just saying? I forgot what I was saying. Uh, So you learned. um, You taught yourself all about musicals. You got to school. You didn't want to learn it from somebody else. So then you transferred to learn Shakespeare and And Chekhov. All of it. I didn't know Miller or William. I didn't know anything. Yeah. And so when I left school I was like what am I who am I going to be Mm, mm -hmm. and it's I've really what I've enjoyed so far in my like hopefully young career is that I've done both yeah and I've Mm -hmm. really enjoyed the sort of like trajectory of like being able to choose and I want Mm -hmm. I can't wait for you to do a musical all right we have to stop talking about this we're (laughs) we're getting off no I mean it makes me feel good to talk about because it makes me feel closer to making it happen yeah totally yeah well drama school for you Mm -hmm. where did you go and what did you do? Yeah, you mean for undergrad sure. or like grad school? Well, yeah, so I undergrad, know. so I went to Cornell for mm-hmm. undergrad. And they had a great theater department. And um, I just I completely dove into that. I mean, that was the same thing. I did the same thing I did in high school where my whole mm. life was just all about... And it was theater at Cornell you studied? Yeah. It was all about theater. I did one like Super 8 movie. The head did have a film department. And I remember Catherine Tingey, who I think directs... Uh, I think she makes documentaries now. Wow. But she wrote, you know, a short narrative and filmed it on Super 8. And um, I think I was a real pain in the ass the whole time that we shot it. Because I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) 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 They just (laughs) alternate between being too big or completely reluctant. Or, like, emotional. Yeah, right, exactly. And I remember when I saw it, I mean, she did a beautiful, she had a really great eye, and so she shot it really beautifully. But I remember I 
had styled myself and I looked at it and I thought I just looked like Chopin the whole time. <laughs> like I had like a bob. I had a little bob and then I was wearing uh, scarves oh. with... Uh, they were sort of like old I looked like a bust thing. of Chopin. Wow. No, but not, no, it was. I know it was. It was weird. It was weird. It was. It was unusual. <laughs> but you, you graduate from Cornell. Yeah. And then what? Did you know immediately that you wanted to go to grad school? Yeah, and that that was something I think that was a mistake that I made, is that I thought that I had to go to grad school right away, oh. and I thought because I thought I'm only getting, yeah, it was. I mean, that's why I'm so glad that. The, I mean, I know that it's there's a lot, it's still very brutal and it's really rough, but I'm really glad that slowly and that the people are talking and changing ideas about who women are mm. in the theater and about for everybody, every group that's been marginalized or told what they are, you know, like oh you're this, we're going to see you that way. You can only play some version of our version of what this exotic thing is or yeah. whatever. Because it really, I mean, that's the thing about all that stuff that's so horrible is that all of those, um, you know, aesthetic and political things get internalized and become the way people see themselves. And, right, that's the real problem with it, Mm -hmm. I think, in some way. There's a short-term horribleness, but then I think the real, real insidious thing, right, is when people take it in and they think that in order to survive... They have to, and that it's sophisticated to then take on that limiting view of yourself. Mm. I think that's what happens. It's, I guess, maybe that's the definition of cynicism in a way, right? I'm only this big, so ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and so I thought, I, you know, I'm a girl, and I was like, so I better go quick because I'm only getting older, and then no one's going to be interested in me anymore. And so I had that very limiting view of myself, rather than saying like, who do you really want to be? Because I think even at that age. I would have said, like, Judy Dench, right? I mean, right. that's I mean that's who every... I mean, right? I mean, that's pretty much who everybody wants yeah. to, right? Aspire to the people who have survived over a long time. You know, the people who you've seen, made a like, career. Yeah, and who, like, you've grown and transformed or whatever. And they didn't want to be, you know, whoever was on ABC that year. <clears throat> so it was a funny choice that I made. It was a funny pressure that I put on myself. Um, so were you auditioning for grad schools your senior year of undergrad? Uh, I was accepted as a January admit because I struggled academically. (laughs) 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 And, um, but you went to Cornell. No, it was great. I was really lucky. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's what... <laughs> you couldn't have struggled with what I'm I saying think, that much. Well, a little. But I also think that it was like, that's when they meant, like, you know, when people say like, we want like a diverse student body. Like, I feel like that's like in, you know, in 1993, when they said we want a diverse student body, that meant they went like a white person interested in the arts. <laughs> that meant, so, you know, I mean, ludicrous. <laughs> but I think that might be what happened there. <laughs> I love that. But they were like, yes, we're diverse. Look, we have, what is she? <laughs> She's Italian. And she likes the, what does that say? Theater. She played so. the MC. <laughs> yeah. Fabulous. But anyway, I mean, oh. um, uh, so yeah, it was January admit, so then I left. And, and so then I had these six months. So I had six months to prepare. And so I was working, I, I uh, got a job um, as a, a filing assistant and I filed with a woman. Uh, no, in upstate New York. Upstate New York. And I wish I could remember the woman who worked with me. 
the two of us. It was, it was, we, it wasn't, it was actually a really nice time. It was two of us in this like big file room together. Wow. We would do our data entry. And you were preparing for your... Yeah, and then, and, and then, you know, the rest of the time I was working on my monologues. You know, at the time I thought I was working on them. Looking back at it now, I realized I was just like drilling them into <laughs> the ground. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. just deadening them. What, just like making Shakespeare, them dead. contemporary? Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's the Shakespeare. No, I didn't do Shakespeare huh? because I, um, you know, it was that you just, you, you get some funny advice, I feel like, when you're younger, mm. you know, and that's, you know, and um, so, right, the sometimes people tell you, like, oh, don't do Shakespeare because they're so well-known, and so you want to do something else as though the doing something else is going to trick them into right. thinking that you're good. I, either you can do the thing or you can't, and yeah. everybody can see it. And just because you're doing Duchess of Malfi doesn't mean that it's going to blind them. No, I didn't. I oh, did um, I like... White Devil. Wow. Vittoria from The White Devil. But it's not going to... They're not going to be disoriented by you doing Vittoria right. and be like, she's amazing. <laughs> They're going to be like, well, this is, we don't see that all the time. She's still not very good. <laughs> but you were. You know. I was fine, I think. I was fine. I mean, the thing is good, I did really like that monologue. Mm. I did. And I still like it to this day. I think it's a great monologue. I do think that, you know, burst, first. I'll mm. burst first, she says at the end. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. And it's good, you know, I mean, at that age, I feel like it taps into, you know, one of the easiest, you know, anger. Mm-hmm. Is you know just because it's not. I just think when you're younger, it's not that your representation of anger is better. You just feel better doing it because sure. it's not it's not asking you for vulnerability. I think that as you get older, you realize that what real anger is is actually very intense vulnerability. But I think when you're younger, you just feel good being loud, yeah, and crunching, intense, yeah, yeah and you feel like all this energy that you have is being funneled somewhere mm. so that was all my monologues that's what I did very very angry yeah and but the, no the cool thing was that somebody had gone to Williamstown mm. someone had gone to Williamstown and had gotten a copy and this is like before you know so they had a real paper copy they came back with one copy of Nikki Silver's pterodactyls un- unproduced play and that's what I did my other monologue from. Oh, wow. So I felt good about that, that I felt like I was like, you know that I'm like in it. You know I'm real. Yeah, that I didn't just like get like a monologue book right, and find the thing. I'm like, here I am doing the tarot deck. But, you know, that I mean, I've, I was so, I mean, I'm so lucky to have met Nikki Silver since right. then. And I told him, I'm like, you have no idea. You were my audition monologue. Like, you have any idea what that means? But actually... One of the things that it means is that that means that I took your beautiful monologue and I cut it so that it would be a minute. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So just butchered it. Just butchered it so it would fit into a minute to show me in my best light. You know what I mean? It's oh, it ludicrous. It worked. <laughs> so, yeah. Was that a, a three-year program or was it four? Uh, UCSD is three. Three. Yeah. And yeah. was there a class there that scared you the most or like a breakthrough moment for you or? Oh, I, you know, I think I really struggled when I was there. Mm. I had a really hard time. I had a really hard time just with the move, just going from New York to San Diego. Yeah. And, you know, I remember I, I really did. I, I, I just, I had a complete break with reality. Sure. When I was out there and you know, my sister came out at one time and this is, you know, she, 
she just made sense of it so quick to me. I, I remember I was like having a breakdown and she was, and she said, you know, of course you feel this way. She was, she said, look at where you are. She was like, the cliffs, like you're, you're, you're the cliffs and at the mm. edge of the desert. And she was like, you know, you, it's nothing like where you grew up. And also it looks like the end. You're at the right. end of the thing. It was just interesting, right? I mean, in my state of mind, I think some other people might feel that they were the, at the beginning of something. Sure. You know, but I do think that was a part of it. Like that terrain and the... Did you ever adjust? Know. And and like, um, you know, and figuring stuff out. Like I think just being like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do for the mm. for my life. And so every time I feel that you know, it didn't feel good enough, I was really stressed out. Mm-hmm. Rather than thinking of things as, like, opportunity for growth. That's when stuff started to, like, kind of shut down on yeah. me a little. But I had great experiences, and I met Les Waters there. And well, Les was super important. I mean, Les Waters. I mean, that's it. I was going to say that brings me to sort of, like, I mean, almost the next section, but... Yeah, I mean, that's what UCSD for me was Les. That was it. Yeah. So, um, but and it was it was Les, and it was the people who were in my class. It was the students that I met: Annie Kaufman, Steve Cawson, uh, Marcia Stephanie Blake. You know, I mean, those wow. were the people who gave me jobs, and who. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still remember watching Marcia Stephanie do Juliet. You know, and really being like that. You know, and then I was in the chorus when she played Medea. Mm. You know, and really being like, I want to do that. Like, her emotional power and vulnerability. And so I was like, I want to be able to do that. And so to be able to have someone who's like your cohort, who you aspire to at the same time, that's a really... that's a, that's you. A, yeah, that's a great thing to have. So that's what UCSD was for me. So right, a, right after that, <clears throat> we'll get to him in a second. But, yeah. Um, you moved back to New York. Uh-huh. And oh, no. No. Not right at, no. I went to, I, I decided I was not done yet with that nervous breakdown. I was like, let's, <laughs> I was like, can we, <laughs> is there a way we could extend this a little? <gasps> so then I went to Santa Cruz and I worked in, at Santa Cruz Shakespeare Festival. I mean, the good news was that I got a job right out of school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doing Shakespeare. That's the headline, I guess, for myself. But really what was going on is that I was extending the nervous breakdown to the point where, um, you know, where I needed medical attention. Oh. So I, I hadn't brought, it it had, the breakdown had not come to fruition yet. (laughs) It was still bubbling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it really needed to, and you know, in Santa Cruz was then really, was the right mix of stuff to really just. Put you over the edge. Yeah. Just finish it. How long were you there? And then I went, uh. Unclear. I mean, I think that I was there for the... I think I was there for two to three months. Wow. But in my head, it was just like a vortex. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I just remember like driving past artichoke fields to get to my uh, psychiatrist. You know, to go to her so she could. And I remember she told me, she said, I could put you on Celexa or I could put you on Prozac. And I said, what's the difference? And she said, Celexa is for people who don't want to say they're on Prozac. And I was like, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Just because it was at that time, you know, Prozac Nation. Like, it was just, you know, it was very, it was like a word, you know, around. And I, and I guess there was like a whole, all these cultural assumptions about the stuff. And I, which I didn't, wasn't ready to be a part of. Which Mm -hmm. now, the language around it and the conversation around it is much better. Yeah. But at the time, 
Sure. Yeah, I was scared of that. But I loved her. She was a really wonderful doctor, and the best thing is she did, I remember one time, I had seen her, and then I was in my car reversing on her driveway, and she came running out of her office onto the driveway, waving her hands, and say, and, and as I rolled down the window, and I was like, what? And she said, stop eating sugar! Oh. You know, and she was right. And that was a long time ago. That was before, everybody knows now the effect that that stuff has on you. But wow. people really didn't know at that time. And I thought it was so great that she, as a doctor who could prescribe all these things, was also promoting right. this more, like, holistic kind of thing. She was a great person. Wow. And I didn't listen to her then, but... Because I, I didn't understand enough. Mm-hmm. But now I... Now you do. Yeah, eat less sugar. Oh, my God. Just gave it up. But, um... <laughs> um and then you came to New York. Yeah. And at that point, was it... Was a representation option presented to you were you signed immediately upon arriving no I wasn't but another really nice thing happened to me yeah which was I didn't get signed right away but David Caporelliotis came to my um showcase Mm. and when you did it in New York yeah and called me in to audition for Blur at the Dallas Theater Company and then cast me in that wow so that was, you know, the next, the next best thing. Or mm-hmm. even better, because even what better. you want is a part, not just the way to get a part. And a relationship with a fantastic yeah, casting with a wonderful, director. Yeah, with a wonderful casting director. Wow. Who, it just meant so mm-hmm. much to me. Um, and, yeah, that was my first job, my, you, my second job. Do you consider that kind of like your big, like, New York break or, like, getting that job or... Yeah. Um, you know, it's a funny thing. Actually, he cast me again in... Um, oh, no. It, well, he didn't cast me. No, somebody else cast me in Proof, but he was the person who told me. Oh, that you should... Is that... Well, it, no, as I auditioned for Proof in Rochester and then um, got it, and uh, David Caporelliotis was the person who said to me, he's like, you know, um, it's a big deal that you got that part. He's like, I know a lot of people who are auditioning for it. And so... And it was, um, it was a very like sobering way that he said it. I think, I wonder if we were talking and if I was being like self-deprecating or something and he was trying to be like, you know. No. Yeah. Even more in that way. It wasn't that I think, do you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't just like trying to be like, um, I think that he was saying like, you should like, like be grateful for the thing you know like not like yeah like don't treat it lightly like Mm -hmm. it's actually a big thing that so it was yeah so that was really nice yeah I bet yeah and then great representation sort of just like presented itself eventually or yeah I I forget what happened I think that um was it it was either um it might have been David Cap or um Paul Fouquet who, uh, or maybe it was, I asked both of them to suggest uh, who agents would be, and mm-hmm. I got my first agent. I, I only ask because a lot of people, you know, um, graduate from school, they're working with someone, mm-hmm. then that person either, like, drops them, or they yeah. go a separate way, or they leave the office, and things yeah. change, and representation seems to be, like, a big thing on people's minds mm-hmm. lately, so it just is sort yeah. of interesting how everybody falls into it. In right, such a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A cre- there is no, like... A plus no, B everybody equals. has their own path. And it's also, it's like, a... I mean, and just the business changes all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, what the business was when 
I was starting is very different than sure. what it is now. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's get into mm. the the meat. So we're oh. here now. Oh, okay. Now, there's a lot of stuff that sort of like focuses mm. on like earlier in the career yeah. for you. Uh-huh. So I was wondering if we could go sort of backwards in time. Okay. Um, and with that, um, mm. in general, yeah. can you talk a little bit about how you break down and score your script? Mm-hmm. So it, does it change for an audition and the first day of rehearsal or what is the same? Yeah. Well, I think that it does change. I think that when I start in rehearsal, like it's much more um, in depth mm. because now I'm... I'm in it. Yeah. You know, and also, yeah, now I'm going to be, and also that the, you know, and also the extent to which, like, any um, job that you have expands to fill the time that you have, you know, so when you have two days to prepare, you do two days of preparation, and when you have three weeks, you know, you have, you know, you do three weeks so you can go deeper. Um, And then when I have um, auditions, I mean, I really prepared with the Tim Phillips you know, the stuff that Tim Phillips teaches in his book, Audition for Your Career, Not the Job. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, which is really great advice. And I th- I think that he's a really, really um, smart uh, acting teacher. And because I, I think that, I think that his book is like really sneaky in this great way that it's actually um, really uh, focused uh, textual analysis but because of the way he phrases the questions, they're they're uh, more fun to answer. Sure. You know, and so I I think it's really smart, the the stuff that he does, and so I use that, and I find um, one of the things that he does is to find the cliche of the scene, and that helps me immeasurably. Absolutely. It helps me so much. It's yeah. a really great thing to do. You know, and <coughs> I, do, I, I do think about the cliche of the scene. And I do think about that stuff when I'm in rehearsal. And I think that stuff is especially helpful to remind to remind yourself of that, like, before you um, enter, you know, like, when you're doing the show and, like, keeping it alive. Yeah. Um, you know, but then uh, in order to prepare, I, I've prepared, like, different, you know, with different coaches for different things because yeah. I just think... Different plays ask different things of you, or you perceive, you know, you're like, oh, I really am going to need to work on that or build this thing up. But uh, Warner Laughlin and um, what uh, Warner Laughlin teaches about how to break down scenes, I did that in If I Forget, and that was really helpful to me. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I always talk about her work when I teach and really encourage people to buy her book. Or, you know, and, and to seek her out as a teacher. Because you can also... She teaches in L.A., but you can um, uh, do Skype coaching with her and with her other... Um, with teachers of hers, you know, that she's trained. And I think it's really great work. Absolutely. How yeah. did you stumble upon her? Like, what... I just think, you know... it. When I just really started to feel like I was struggling and just feeling like the that when I read something and that the emotional connection I felt to something when I read it and then my ability to be truthful to that when I was in the audition room, there it just felt like there was such a huge disparity, you know, and I was just, I felt like I was just like breaking my heart like over and over again. Like I'd read something, I'd feel so close to it and then mm. I'd go in the room and then I would just do this like crazy fear response thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yep. know, and so I was just, so I just, you know, and it is, I, I'm reading Harriet Walter's book, Other People's Shoes right now. 
And it was just so nice. She talks about working with um, Linda Davies, or Lindy Davies, rather, the director, um, who was an Australian actress and then um, developed stage fright. So then took a step back and started to, uh, you know, uh, develop a way of acting that would address that problem. Wow. And, you know, what she, what Harriet Walters says in her book is that, uh, you know, a lot of times that that's what you find is that, um, that people will pursue, that, you know, that if you find, like, someone who's developed a way to create confident, you know, assured, like, intuitive acting is someone who you scratch the surface and then you find someone who at one point was very scared. Yeah. You know, and so I just like that juxtaposition a little bit. And so I feel like it was that thing that, I feel like I've sought out a lot of um, different coaches and ways of working because I've always been trying to work around the feeling of uh, stage fright and mm-hmm. fear and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and Warner Loth, I, I love her work, you know. And yeah, how did I find it? It was, I mean, I think that it was reading an article about Amy Adams. Sure. You know, and then Amy Adams talked about it, and Amy Adams said that in an interview that um, for her that was the first time that she felt that she was able to be emotionally free, because she felt that she wasn't being herself on stage. That when she felt felt that she was using her own memories and her own experiences, that there was you know a kind of stoicness that would that come up in response to it, which a lot of people feel, mm-hmm. most people feel, and makes a lot of sense, and is a really good way to protect yourself yep. as you should and that in doing the imaginative work that Warner Laughlin um, encourages that then she was able to feel that it was that she had created another person and that person could have these experiences mm-hmm. you know so that really um, was interesting to me <coughs> when I sought out Warner Laughlin's work well I'm glad that you did because yeah. you've sort of passed that on to me <clears throat> in some ways too and I yeah. found it so helpful it is it's great and breaking down the minutiae in such a it seems so easy, but we forget. Yeah, right. I think that's why it's so great to work with a coach because it's not that, you know, I mean, it's the same thing mm. that people say, like, about, you know, my dad uh, plays poker, you know, and so he's told me that thing of, like, you know, you can teach someone how to play poker in five minutes and then you spend a lifetime. Teaching them how to play. Like, like, right, turning, like, you know, figuring out how to be great at it. Yeah. And I think that acting has certain similarities, Absolutely. you know, that you could, you know behaving truthfully under you know in uh, what is it what's the phrase oh, Your truth unimaginary, under imaginary circumstances, circumstances right so you yeah. pretty much say that and then you know and then you spend the rest of your life figuring trying to figure out how, out how to, do, to do, that. do that and it always changes <laughs> in it um so speaking of forgetting and if i forget mm-hmm. um what since it was a new play yeah what would an evening after rehearsal look like at home sort of like do oh. you reflect and sort of like think about what happened that day or are you mm-hmm. are you thinking about how you can work up towards the next day right yeah I think that it's both I think that both things I mean, there's definitely like um I mean when I'm not procrastinating mm. right? sometimes that creeps in there where you're like oh whatever uh, right <laughs> I'll see what yeah. happens tomorrow but yeah which no. is always when I'm the most afraid yeah I'm right like, oh I'll see what happens and then I get there Oof. and it is Right. Horrifying. What if zero happens? And yeah. it often does for James. Yeah. So. No, I know. Yeah, I think you have to work a lot. You have to mm-hmm. work a lot in order to give yourself um, the space to be free. Um, but yeah, I think that what I spend a lot of time doing is, yeah, with that, I, I would reflect a lot. Like, um, 
what happened and like thinking about like really what am I doing like what am I doing I thought about a lot on that show Mm -hmm. you know like what is it that I want I want that person to be come closer or I want them to go away Mm -hmm. you know and uh, I would play around with that stuff at home and I think also because you know there are other plays that I've been in that I feel that the um, that kind of um the tricky thing is, you know, the poetry of the language is somehow that you don't want to just like bulldoze it and pretend that the actors are not speaking in a poetic way. You mm-hmm. actually want to be able to like hold both that say like, yes, this is an emotionally realistic world, and people in this emotionally realistic world express themselves in this way. You know, and so I had been in a number of plays like that, and if I forget, is not like that. If right. I forget, is um, very realistic, and I feel like that the. Um, like the artifice of the play is really supposed to dissolve, you know, and you're really just supposed to see the, mm-hmm. the people and the behavior and the circumstances that they're in. So I spent a lot of time, you know, thinking about you know, if I'm in this situation, what is the thing I want? And when I want that, how do I behave? You know, and then and thinking about, you know, and, and thinking about the character. And yeah. what is, you know, how does she... How does she get what she wants? What's the most, you know, I'm trying to think, I guess, in that way. Like, what's the most, what's the most that she would do? Would she pull her, would she grab her sister by the hair, you know, to get what she wants? So would she throw her sister down the stairs? Or for her, you know, does she want to do that and she's holding herself back? Or is she, you know, is her bark louder than her bite? And what she really wants is a hug but she's going to scream a lot because she's not getting one, you know, and just like trying to figure It's finding all the why, 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 why a little bit. Yeah. And I always feel like for me that I'm, I forget what book that I was reading that said that it was the right thing at the right time because a, a question that, um, that I forget a lot, it, why now? And I think it's a, it's a, it's a more important question than it, than it sounds. It seems mm. like such, it's such a little thing. Why now? But it's actually super, it's, yeah. It's kind of like the the last little bit of spark that you need to figure out. Like, why now? Mm. What is it that happened now that makes you want to go to the mat for this thing? Totally. You know? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, do you... um, do you, did you find that throughout this production you were given, like, a lot of new pages or, like, rewrites or things like that? Yeah, we were. Yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that? Um, is it ever overwhelming to you or? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it would feel overwhelming, but now, um, getting the opportunity to direct, Mm. uh, I am going to resolved to be less overwhelmed. When you receive them as an actor. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Because I see how it's just not anybody else's problem that I... You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, so, because the, the thing that would overwhelm me sometimes is you get new pages, and I think the things that would overwhelm me is <gasps> that the line where I thought that was the why now reason is gone. Yeah. It's gone. Now my why now is gone. And, or like, this is where I feel like when I say these words with these vowels in them, that's what brings up this emotion for me. And now it's not there anymore. Yeah. And so it was really just, like, so self, like, pointing, you know, of, like, me, I'm not going to be able to do the thing that I think I need to do. And really, it's, like... Not about... That is not what we're doing right now. 
It's about the story. <laughs> we're trying to tell a story. It's like, look, lady. <laughs> we're trying to tell a story. Put yourself aside. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to go from A to B. Yeah. With some interesting reversals, you know, and we're trying to figure out how to make that legible to an audience, and we think that this is a better way to do it. So it's not even about so, the memorization for you. It's no, about I'm not. The no, the memorization is fine. It's fine. Because that I actually think is fun. Like I remember when we oh, were doing. It scares the daylight out. Really, I, yeah. I think it's fun, and sometimes I feel like it's like the more, you know, it's like you have this new scene, you have to do it in two days. I don't know. I that I I think is super fun. Um, you know, I in in the next room. At one point, in one of the previews, uh, Sarah wrote a monologue for my character. I wanted to see it in the preview. I think she gave it to me in the morning, and then I did it in the evening, and then cut it. But I, it was fun. That was exciting. I mean, I remember being on stage, you know. Reveling and, in that. Yeah, and like looking at Michael Cerverus and him just looking at me like... We're doing do this. It. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> you know, and it was, um, yeah, that, that's exciting. But no, I feel like it's in the rehearsal process when you're still working on that stuff. And um, yeah, that I felt that I was overwhelmed. But now having directed, I see that. And I just see also how wonderful it is when an actor just takes the stuff and is like, okay. And, I can do that. And yeah, and, and, and the, because I feel that the director and the writer knows. They know. They're like, we know that we took away the thing. But we we believe that you could find a new one. And mm. maybe the new thing that you find is actually going to tell our story better. You know, yeah. and so it was really out of, um, yeah, it was out of stress that I wasn't going to be able to do a good job, that I would get overwhelmed sure. by it. Um, mm-hmm. In a play like Belleville, yeah, um, which I didn't see, mm-hmm. but I read to right. prepare for this. Oh. It's a wild ride. Yeah, I love that play. Um, you know, the stakes are enormously high. Yeah. Um, I think that this was, it must be before Warner Laughlin sort of came into your life. Yes. Um, can you yeah. just talk about like, you know, the play it needs you to before. go to some places. Yeah. And can you just talk a little bit about if you've received any tools to help you disassociate when it's done? Right. No. I didn't. I think that's how, that's one of the things that led me. I think that my, I love doing Velvet. I loved working with Amy, and I loved working with uh, Annie. Um, but I did a really bad job. And I mean, I think that, you know, in some ways, and I, I think this happens to other actors, too, I was doing a better version of uh, Abby offstage than I was doing on stage. <clears throat> you know, my Abby offstage was strong. <laughs> and I think, you know... Um, and I, I do think that happens to actors. You, know, you end up living the thing. Outside. So, yeah. And, um... I've had I trouble was like, with it. Yeah. I think at some point everybody has a part that, like, does that. And I think that Abby was just the part that did that for me. And then it made me really realize um, that I was like, I need to figure this out. And that's why I started to, like, seek a new thing. Yeah. And started to work, you know, and look for Warner Laughlin. Um, but I did... Yeah, I did a lot of work figuring out, you know, Abby and what's going on with her. Because sometimes I feel, I feel like in a lot of ways that she was close to me, you know. I think there are a lot of ways that I could very easily find myself in that position and having Mm -hmm. the responses that she did. And I think sometimes when you play something that's really close to you, Mm. that you actually, um, you're... uh, 
I don't know, you're not making as interesting choices. Sure. And not really mining things as much, so. Speaking of the mining, though. Or I guess maybe what I mean, I guess what I mean to say is that I did a lot of work on it because some things, because it was so close to me, there are some things that were opaque. So rather than being so close to it, that meant that I knew it very well because I was so close to it, I hadn't really, like, taken it apart in some way. Wow. And so I had to, like, really look at it and figure, like, what are the things. And, and really the important thing of being like, yeah, she's not you. Like, she's not. Let me find the differences. Yeah. Like, she's not you. She's doing something else. And what is she doing? Mm. And you have to be able to say that out loud. I think that you, for me, not everyone's different. I mean, I loved reading, there was an interview with um, Meryl Streep and, you know, someone was asking her about acting and she was like, I don't think that I could be an acting teacher because I would say, you know, you just do it, you know, and um, so, which I think about all the time, you know. I, think I understand. About that. Yeah, no, because I do it right, and I think that's so lovely. And that's you know, she has such a, um, you know, I do think that she's like a very, uh, like scholarly, studious yeah. actor. But she's also like really internalized it, and so she can do that work. I'm sure very quickly. Yeah, very personally, right, and also like really fast. Right. Um, and uh, um. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I was... No, no, but I mean, no, I was saying... Like, yeah, but I don't yeah, know yeah. what my point was after that. Meryl Streep is so... I know, her, I know, so like a normal... She's not even here, and I'm like... <laughs> her presence is <laughs> Her wild. presence, exactly, just rattled me, because it's so huge and amazing. Um, but, yeah, no, so I just feel like being able to take something apart and... Oh, right, so I was saying that not everybody, so... Right, so I was saying that for me... I feel like I can do something when I can say it out loud. Like, what is this person doing? And I can really answer, like, inward. Like, not, like, just having a subconscious, like, gist of, I think she's kind of doing a thing. When I can really say, like, it's a simple, you know, that she wants a hug. Why? Because the hug will make her feel like she matters. You know, and then I'm like, okay, that's when I know what I'm doing. Hmm. Did... You know. Instead um, of generally, like, she wants love. Like, yeah, too gen. Well, I yeah. was going to ask you, I mean, you talked about Annie Kaufman, but um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a play where so much exists between the lines and yeah. the subtext, and how did she help yeah. you mine through oh, all of that? Oh, she's so good at that. That Annie Kaufman is the best at that. My, and, and the thing that was so great is I was so lucky. I got to see her direct uh, production of Adam Bach's, oh, and I'm forgetting, is it called The Architect? Mm. It was something like that. I can't remember I don't the know. name of it now, but it was a great play. I loved it so much. It was such a, uh, it was a really smart set where it was just the, um, they had tables and chairs, but instead of having walls, they had the walls were all marked out with the uh, stage management tape oh. and the actors moving around. So it was like they were on a blueprint mm. and, um, it was just so exciting to get to see how she had, um, sculpted, the uh, relationships between the characters and my favorite moment in that play was this actor gets really really upset and then walks out of the room and when he came back into the room there was no vestige of his sadness at all and there was just something that was so exciting Mm. about that and what that told you about that person and also I guess like the and I think maybe what I also really liked it is that it just how much it trusted the audience of Saying like you know what happened, you know yeah. you know when you see this person come back in, who seems completely unfettered now, you know actually 
that it's the way that it hurt them is incredible. It's so profound yeah. that they have to compartmentalize it. And that's a lot of sort of Belleville from reading it. Yeah, in yeah. In and out of the bathroom or yes, in and out of... Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not kind of showing someone, do you see how profoundly mm. this has moved me? Instead, by you seeing how quickly I cauterized it, that it's actually, like, it was so detrimental to my identity that I couldn't even acknowledge it. Yeah. And I just thought that that just takes so much trust of the audience's perception and... That was, I mean, I'd gone to school with Annie, and I always knew that she was a great director and I worked with her before, but I remember when I saw that, I was like, Annie knows yeah. what she's doing. And so, and she did a great job with that on Belleville, and she really, um, she really helped me so much about, because I think it would be really easy, you just like do like a wash of paranoia right. over the whole thing, and she really helped me find the moments of... Um, when are you angry? When are you flirting with him? You know, when are you pushing him away? When are when you like, like your father? Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. She just did a really great job, and you know, and also you know, of just being like, yeah, that's over. Like, don't carry that thing mm. over into the next thing. Like, that is over. She's a great script realizer. Yeah, she is. She's really great. She's really great um, with uh, beats, you know, and about recognizing that, like, the character wants something and where have they failed? And because of their failure, now why are they trying something new? You know, she's really good at that storytelling. Yeah. I love that. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great thing. Everybody should just listen to what she says. <laughs> and, you know, but I have to remind myself of that, too, because I think I had unnecessary conversations with her, you know what I mean, where I should have just done, <laughs> you know, it took her, I, I made listen. her convince me when I should have right. just been like, okay. yes. Right, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, so you mentioned just like some stage fright and stuff like that. Yeah. But just with Uncle Vanya, uh huh, the proximity to the audience. Yeah. Did that mess with your head at all, or was it very easy to stay focused in that play? Well, it started out. I remember in previews, I, I it it was I was like, oh my god, I was like, oh my god, they're so close, mm-hmm. I can totally see them. And then you see certain people, and you're like, oh my god, that's Kevin Klein. Right. So you are, are it's like your second eye catches it sort of for a second. But then I got used to it. I actually did get used to it, and then I really liked it. And I felt really, really comfortable. And um, I do remember, like, then later on, you know, doing, uh, like, monologue and looking out and seeing a director who I really admired, who I'd never worked with before, Mm. right? So that has so much... It was, like, exciting to have. Yeah, and then, like, I felt good about it. You know, I felt good. It was nice. By your work. Yeah, I stopped feeling like, oh, my God. Yeah. And yeah, there was a night, you know, and I think it has a lot to do with uh, Annie and Sam and the way they made that process that the more that you did the run, the better you felt in it rather than it falling apart. I think that that meant that they had really built something solid and that had like a great foundation. Um, and I think it also had to do with just some of the stuff with the set, like the carpet. I don't know. It felt, you know, you just like you, I was the, I saw that live, like, and that was just you like you were a fly and you were on the carpet yeah. or the couch or whatever mm-hmm. you were on. Yeah, right. But I want to wrap up because I know that you have to pick up your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so um, got to get the teen bean. We have to pick up. So before we, but we're go, doing good. We're okay. When? How long do we have? Um, I should leave at two forty-five. Oh, so we have like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing all right. I should leave at two forty-five to get two there. Two more, her up. maybe. Let's say <laughs> um, just with and then she um, has chess. Can I just tell you something? Tell me. And then she has chess yeah. at uh, 4.45 with the son of the director who cast me in proof at Rochester. Isn't that awesome? No way. Yes. Isn't that incredible? 
He was in my scene study class. It was just like the most oh beautiful gosh. thing. Yeah, he was in my scene study class, and I was just like, it means so much to me that he would be in that class after, you know, because that was such a big deal for me to get to do that play with his dad. And then that now he's teaching my daughter chess. Which <gasps> <is>. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Isn't that crazy? Anyway. Life. Life. Um, well, I was going to say, you actually, you talked about already, because so, my question was sort of about um, Sarah Rule's writing, then if we were transitioning to sort of mm-hmm. her and, yeah. and you. Um, it is this sort of like balance between like beautiful poetry and, and prose and mm-hmm. things like that. But you, you spoke about that a little bit. So let's mm-hmm. um, move on to that. I was going to say, I found it. So funny reading it. Yeah. So funny how it exists on the page. Right. And I feel like a lot of that would depend on like audience recep- reception and things like mm-hmm. that. Was it very mixed sometimes? With yeah, the play it was. Because of the subject matter? Oh, you mean Eurydice or in um, the next room? In the next room. Oh, yeah, in the next room. Like, were people uncomfortable and didn't laugh? Or were they always laughing because it was so funny? No, it would go both ways. Yeah, so, yeah, it would. It, sometimes we would have audiences and I feel like, yeah, that they would just be uncomfortable about either the situation or who knows what an audience... Right. I mean, I can't pretend to know what's going on in their head. I, don't, I have no idea. Sometimes, you know, and, and then other times they're just like carried away by the whole thing. So funny. Yeah. It's like brilliantly funny though. Yeah, so it really is. No, it really is. Really I, funny I really got a kick out of that. But, um, yeah. so with Les, mm-hmm. um, what sort of is that best case scenario? I was going to say in general, like, what is the best case scenario between a director and an actor? And for him, especially as being such an important part of your life, yeah. What did that What did that mean for you? And what did he help you do? Yeah. Well, but one of the things that I always thought that Les was really talented as as a director is that he could sculpt your performance. Uh, in a way that you thought that it was your idea. Hmm. And he would do that by telling stories. You know, you know, you'd do a scene and then he would say, you know, when I was eight, my father, you know, and I, blah, 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 and did this thing. You know, and trusting that you would, I think, right, take some something away from what he was sharing and mm. that there would be, you know, and also what was nice about it is it wasn't like prescriptive. He wasn't telling you what to take away from the story. Maybe your own thing, but I, I just remember like, I, yeah, I mean, I have images of stories that he told and those images would inform the way I, you know, did the scene. And also he did my favorite thing. I mean, it's the Sam Gold, um, did this for me and Les Waters did it for me was give me a stage business that helped me a lot. You know, and Sam Gold used to be an actor, so he knows how to do that stuff. So he gave me something for Elena that was really, really helpful. And Les did the same thing for me. You know, yeah. go over here, do this thing, do that. You know, which is really nice. Totally. Um, <clears throat> Not telling you what they want the results to be. But just go... Yeah, go, like, have this experience. Like, go have this experience, mm-hmm. right? And now now after I... you've had that experience, you see what I mean? You know, and you're like, yes, yes, I, I do. I do understand that. When I worked with you <laughs> and in class, really nice. you mm-hmm. would often give me something to do as well, and it opens right. you up in a oh, way. Oh, I'm that... so glad. Yeah, and I mean, I do think that is, I do, like, I, that's something that I really aspire to, like, in working on scene study, because I do think that actors learn the best through their body. Mm. And I just think also as a teacher that 
that that's really the best thing to do. If you can give someone an experience to have and then let them take away what they will from that, that's much, I think that's much more effective and, and better teaching than to tell someone what they should be doing or right. what you think they should be, you know? Yeah. So I think that's why I appreciate it so much in directors and that's why I feel like I try to emulate that when I'm working on scene study with people. We're at the finale, Maria. We are. This is What it. is it? What's the, the finale? finale? You can't peek. Okay, I'm not going to peek. Um, I'm going to do this with everybody that okay. I ask. Um, I would love to end mm-hmm. with a love note from you uh-huh. to the American theater. Oh. What makes you keep coming back? Mm. And why does it continue to ignite your soul? Hmm. Why? Okay, well, the first thing that pops into my head is because everybody is always saying that it's dying, that it's dead, that it's on the precipice of disappearing and then something happens to revitalize it and I I think that's why I love it is that I think that it like takes itself right to the edge of what's that word what's that word of not uh when something is not useful anymore oh um it's such a good word obsoleteness it, it pushes itself it pushes itself right to the edge of being obsolete. Mm. And then it, like, pulls the rabbit out of the hat at the last minute, you know, and Hamilton. Right. You know, and revitalizes itself, I think. It's able, and I, the community as a whole. I feel like the theatrical community has bloomed again since yeah, 2016 right. or 15 or whenever that happened. Yeah, but it kind of does in that way. I mean, I don't know if I'm being too, you know, schmooshy about it. But that, I don't know, that it does, like, get really close to the death. And that only in really getting close to the death can you really, um, you know, and dying even, (laughs) can you actually get to the place where you could be reborn again, you know? And so I like that about that. Maybe when you try, maybe, I don't know. Because you can't, you can't stay relevant all the time. Right. You have to, like, go in these peaks and valleys. Um, But I don't know, that's why I love it. I really love discovering new playwrights and new ways of seeing things. And I, you know, I, you know, I, I think when I was younger, I thought to myself, "Oh, I wonder." And I would be in a play, and there would be an older actor, and I would wonder. I was like, "I wonder what it's like for that actor to be directed by this, you know, thirty-year-old person or something." Mm. And now I'm like, "It's great. It's awesome." You know, it's so wonderful to to have that relationship, to be older. You know, now when I, on the occasions that I've worked with the director in their early 30s or in their late 20s or something like that, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited to have somebody show me their perspective. And, you know, and, and it's not that the perspective is unknown to me. It feels like sometimes that it's like, yes, I, I felt that way, but I never had the words. I didn't know. And that's what's so exciting about, like, a new generation of people to have experiences and... Yeah. I don't know. So you're not like you're not it. running away. No. I'm you're not. here to stay. <laughs> yeah, I am. Very I mean good. as long as they'll have me. But yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, that wraps everything up. Yay. That was so much fun. Thanks, James. I had a blast. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. And uh yeah. Go pick up your daughter.